I'm grateful to be here. I think we should give those children another big hand. What a wonderful job. What a wonderful job. Thank God for Pastor Conway. Thank God for each of you. Let's pray, and then let's jump right into the word. God, we thank you today for who you are. We thank you today for all your hand provides. We thank you today for your word and for worship. And I pray that you'd hide me behind your glory and you'd be glorified. Think with my mind and speak with my mouth to the end that souls are saved and lives are changed and that we all leave out of here better than we came in. And in all of this, if you're glorified, we'll be satisfied. In Jesus' name, amen. Take out your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 16. Uh, Genesis chapter 16, verse 7. While you're finding it, you know me, I know you, so you already know what to do. You're going to help me preach. Uh, you're going to talk back to me. Amen. amen. You're going to say, preach Alexander. Amen. amen. All that stuff. And uh, we're going to tell your neighbor, you're going to talk back to the preacher. You didn't say it right. Just tell your neighbor. Look down your road and say, if you're going to stay on this row. Now say it with a little authority. If you're going to stay on this row, you're going to talk back to the preacher. All right, we got that settled. Let's go. Uh, Genesis 16, uh, verse 7. Uh, I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. It says, the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to shore. And he said, Hagar, slave girl of Sarai, uh, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am running away from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord said to her, also said to her, I will, I, I will so greatly multiply your offspring that they cannot be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord uh, said to her, now you have conceived and shall bear a son. You shall call him Ishmael, for the Lord has given heed to your affliction. Uh, he shall be a wild ass of a man with his hand against everyone and everyone's hands against him, and he shall live at odds with all of his kin. So she named the Lord who spoke to her, you are Elroy. For she said, have I really seen God and remained alive after seeing him? Um, come on, help me right off the bat. I just want to talk to you from thought of subject, living under pressure. Living under pressure. Um, Y'all don't even look like you're going to help me. Let's try that again. Living under pressure. <laughs> you know, there's two things that happens when a preacher is getting ready to preach. You're hoping he's not boring. That's one thing. The other thing is he's hoping you're not boring. <laughs> so since we're both hoping the same thing, <laughs> let's just go on and do this. Living under pressure. This passage of scripture uh, is quite interesting. It's one of those passages of scripture that's really has, has troubled me over the years. It's one of those stories I've often skipped over or wanted to skip over or not talk about because it really doesn't make sense to me. Um, I don't, I don't want to act like I'm super deep or holy or and just everything I read in the Bible makes sense. It's some stuff I read in the Bible that just does not make sense to me. If I push a little bit further, I would like to also submit to you, there's some stuff in the Bible I just don't like. Uh, but since I didn't write it, I have no say. But there's some things in the Bible I, I just wish weren't there, like, like do good to those that despitefully misuse you. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, pray for them. <laughs> and, and, and if they need something, give it to them. 
And so, and don't you leave me out here by myself. Like, you just like everything you read in the Bible. You, you, you are not that deep. You are, like, you're just like everything you read in the Bible. You're like, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I can give you one. Like, wives, submit to your husbands. I didn't see anybody shout. You see what I'm saying? You're like, all right, whatever. <laughs> you made your point. But this story is one of those that I kind of uh, struggle with because Hagar is required to serve as a surrogate for Sarai, who was barren. And after conceiving, um, she looks uh, at con- uh, with contempt or, or despised uh, Sarai. Um, and, and this all happened because there are two people who came up with a whole idea for her life without her permission. Uh, Sarai got tired of waiting on conceiving a child by Abram and decided, well, why don't you just take our slave girl as uh, your other wife and why don't you uh, have a baby by her and then we'll take her baby. See, act like that makes sense. And and we'll raise it uh, as our own baby. And and once she conceived, she kind of looked at... um, uh, Sarai the wrong way. And you know, you, we, we know about Abram and we know about Sarai who became Abraham and Sarah, but very little is talked about, uh, about Hagar. And even when Hagar is mentioned, she's mentioned in a bad light, like how dare she uh, have problems with Sarah, probably because she was tired of having to live with the consequences of somebody else's bad decisions. Or, or maybe I don't like the idea that you're making decisions for my life that I'm supposed to be all right with, although I had no say in them. Somebody's going to help me in a minute. Or maybe I'm tired of people using me for producing their happiness, but don't consider what I'm getting in return. Or, or maybe I just don't like being a means to an end for everybody around me where I'm always expected to put out, always expected to make everybody else all right, always expected to make you look good, and how I feel, what I have to say really don't matter. Well, guess what? They get old sometimes. I mean, maybe I do cook every day, but you ought to act like I'm the best cook in the house. And maybe I do have to go to work and pay the bills, but you should act like lights never shine so good like the ones in our house. And maybe I am committed to the family and I'm committed to friendship, but sometimes you want to be celebrated. And if not celebrated, at least let me be heard. Somebody talk to me just for a minute. Because have you ever had to deal with the trouble of being present but being invisible at the same time? Because some people don't miss you till you're gone. You'll help me in just a minute. Matter of fact, sometimes your presence is not realized or even appreciated or celebrated until you're absent. And so today, Sarah took all she could took, take because uh, she was being treated so harshly by Sarah Hagar left. And, and, and ran away. And, and it's there when we get uh, where our, the framework for our, our text today and our discussion is going to pick up. H- Hagar took all she could take because Sarah, Sarah got angry that, that Hagar had the nerve to have feelings. Had the audacity to feel some kind of way. And she left from all the pressure. But, 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 but scoot in. Lean in. You looked up. I said, come up. <laughs> I want to unpack what and why God did what he did when he comes up to Hagar in the wilderness. I'm ready for him to get on her side. I'm ready for him to make it all right. Because my mother told me to stand up for yourself. 
And I was proud of Hagar for standing up for herself, from getting out of that, from running away, from, from, from removing yourself, from all that pressure and unfair treatment. Then God shows up, and I'm ready for it to get better. I'm trying to show you why I struggle with this story. I'm like, here God comes. He's going to set her up in the wilderness, give her a whole lot of blessings, and I'm waiting on a happily ever after kind of story. And God comes and says something to her that really frustrates me because it's there where he requires, yeah, her to go back. And I struggle with that. You're acting like it makes sense to you, but I struggle with that because many of us understand the God who came that we may have life and life more abundantly. We understand the God who came to bless us and cause us to prosper, and every time we turn around, he's doing great things. But I'm struggling with this God of our text, yes, who is required. I cannot even fathom in my mind that a God would expect me to go and endure such unreasonable demands. The tension in the text here is how, why in the world would God say, go back? Here's a disclaimer, just so I can get you to get, be clear. This is not uh, an encouragement to endure physical, emotional, or mental abuse in your home. This is not, a dis, dis, this is not some uh, encouragement to deal with abuse uh, of any kind. In your, listen, uh, we go by the kindergarten rule, and that is keep your hands and your feet to yourself. Now that we got that out of the way, we're not talking about that. Well, but come here. The thesis of this sermon is there are times when God will develop us for our destiny by requiring we remain faithful under some of life's most unfavorable circumstances. Sometimes God gets us ready for elevation. Sometimes God gets us ready for promotion. Sometimes God gets us ready for our destiny by requiring we live under pressure. If you're writing notes and you need a take-home truth, here's the take-home truth. This is what you're going to take home. If you remain faithful during the heaviness of development, God will ensure you enjoy the abundance of blessings at the final destination. If you remain faithful during the heaviness of development today, we got to figure out why in the world would God require Hagar to go back and live under that kind of pressure? When she finally got out, and the best thing God could, I mean, God, you, you just make up stuff. Like, you walk out in the middle of nowhere and say, let there be, and a whole world starts. And this is the best thing you could come up with is to go back and live under pressure. Somebody say, preach out of there. Are you ready? Here's the first one. One of the things he's teaching Hagar and us is that we must learn how to control our run reflex. When living under pressure, we must learn how to control our flight response. Because when life seems to be too much, there is something in us that says leave. When life seems to stretch us too thin, there's something in us that says the only way to find peace is to simply abandon where we are. Last week, Pastor Conway said, called it escapism. Can I give you my word for it? It's called ghosting. And there's a difference between leaving you and ghosting you. 
I, I come here, help me come here, yeah. When I leave you, I tell you I'm leaving. When I leave you, I argue about leaving. When I leave you, I'm fussing about leaving. When I leave you, I got a few things to say on the way out the door and another thing. I wish I... So when I leave you, help me somebody, you know I'm leaving. But if I get real tired, if I get real through, I wish I had some help in here. And if the pressure gets real heavy, you don't know I'm gone till I've been gone. It's that song we used to sing when I was growing up in the old Baptist church that one of these mornings, it won't be long, you're going to look for me, I'll be gone. I need about 10 of y'all to say, you have the gift of ghosts. You're not talking about it. I mean, some of you live with your finger on block. Somebody get on your page you don't like, block. Somebody say something you don't like, block. Somebody got a comment you don't like, block. Somebody keep calling you and you're tired of. Some, you nice first, you put them on, do not disturb. And if they don't get the point, you just put them on, block. I wish I had somebody that says, and one of your strongest spiritual gifts is the gift of ghosts. You know how to ghost the situation because then we can spiritualize it because certainly God wouldn't want us living under these harsh conditions. Somebody may be there now thinking, certainly God don't want me to deal with that in marriage. Certainly God don't want me to deal with that in our family. Certainly God don't want me to deal with that in this job, in this career. I know God does not want me to deal with that in ministry, with that in church. And so sometimes it's just, it just makes good common sense. Because by the way, let's just be clear. How many of you are on Hagar's side? She should have left. Oh, don't act like you just wanted her to stay there. How many of you understand, Hagar, that if it gets that rough, just leave? And how many of you give encouragement like that when people start telling you what they're going through? Well, well why are you still there? I need 10 of y'all to tell on yourself, lift your right hand. You promise to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God. Say I do, because some of y'all are lying right here in church. How many of you heard your friend complaining about a situation and your answer to them was, why are you still there? How many of you heard somebody complaining about some marriage with some trifling joker and you just want to know why you're still there? And how many people have heard somebody complaining about their job and you're like, that's real easy. Get your resume. <laughs> Get on LinkedIn and find you some other connections. How many of you, even with some folks at church, said, you know what? I can be a good pew member. I can come get in my, I'm sorry, not pew, chair member. I can come get in my chair. I can get my word and I can get out of here and I don't have to deal with any other extras. Our mentality is if we don't like it, don't leave because I don't have to put up with it. And then God says, go back. And don't y'all feel bad like you're in church and you don't want to sound unspiritual? I'm a pastor, and sometimes when the church is not doing right, I just want to say, now, God, I can just leave this now. I mean, <laughs> we don't have to keep doing this. I can be a nice staff pastor somewhere, and then when folks start coming with all their complaints looking for the pastor, I can say, he's over there. <laughs> and scoot up while I help you with something else. Some of us know how to be physically present and ghost you at the same time. 
Because just because my body is here does not mean I haven't gone. I need about, I see 10 sisters saying I've been gone. <laughs> he just smiling and he don't know I left three years ago. He's so happy because I'm not fussing, because I'm not talking. What he don't know when I stop fussing is because I left. <laughs> I wish I had somebody. To, matter of fact, watch this, y'all. If I got the right sermon, I need you to stand up and sit back down. If I got the right sermon. <laughs> told y'all. I know I got the right sermon. And he's been gone. Uh, now, now when he comes in and say, what's wrong with you? Guess what you say? Because I've been gone. I, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I'm so gone, you can't even make me mad. I used to be mad about you coming home late. Now I'm mad you came home. <laughs> Why are you here so early? The game ain't even over yet. I know your boys got somewhere they want to be. <laughs> All right. Let me get back together, all right. So, so that's me. That, <laughs> I'm trying to pull it back together before I testify. Uh, that, that's me. I, I'm at an age now. When you get to be almost 50, guess what? You just start looking at some stuff saying, I don't have to take that. I don't have to take that. You don't want to argue about it. You want to fuss about it. When you get to a, when you have so many birthdays, you're like, okay. You know, you start talking to yourself like, you sure right. <laughs> I mean, you'll have the whole conversation, the argument, the resolution, and you know when you're done, you say, thank you, you sure right. <laughs> and nobody's in the house but you, because you have the run reflex. And hear, hear me, brothers and sisters, he says, go back, but why go back? Because when you run, are y'all ready? Ten of y'all should have said, preach Alexander by now. That was five. I said, ten of y'all should have said, preach Alexander by now. <laughs> when you run, here it is, you limit God by your location. When you run, not only do you render yourself powerless to the situation, but this running mentality also declares God can't handle it either. When I have this wash my hands and get out of this situation, I not only deem the situation too big for me, but I've also called it too big for God. When I'm trying to get out of marriage every time I'm stretched thin, what I'm really saying is I can't take it, you can't either. When I keep jumping from job to job or leaving career, what I'm saying is they're too hard for me and they're too hard for you. Somebody's going to help me. And, and whenever I'm, I'm saying I want to jump out of ministry because it's stretching me through too thin and church folks are crazy, and they are crazy, but uh, and, and I'm saying I'm done with this, guess what? What I'm really saying is it's too much for me. And I believe it's too much for God. Even the microphone wants me to hush. Are, are y'all ready? Y'all should help me just because I had to stop. You, you, you can't be from the same church I grew up in. Whenever a child was up trying to give his speech and he messed up, everybody just started hollering until he got it back together. That's all right, baby. That's all right. That's all right, baby. Take your time. Y'all didn't say none of that. Y'all just waited on me. To... <laughs> You're supposed to holler stuff until I get it back together. Watch now. Then there's another reason. Not only to control our run reflex, 
But are you ready? We must learn, yeah, the reason for the return. If you want me to go and live under pressure, or for somebody, if you want me to stay right now, then tell me why. I'm living with consequences of somebody else's bad decision. I didn't come up with this stuff. Because one of the frustrating parts about living under pressure is when I'm under a pressure I didn't cause. I get pressure I brought on myself. But I struggle with pressure that I didn't cause on the job and family and life. When I'm dealing with issues that are not my fault. Here it is. Are you ready? Why return? Not only to, to control your wrong reflex, but to teach you who you are. To show you your worth. Because diamonds are only diamonds when they've been under pressure long enough. And sometimes you, you, you miss what God is developing in you by running away before he's done. Preach, Pastor. Because the pressure of life can make you second-guess your value. And Abram, the father of faith, and Sarah, the, the, Sarah at the time, the, the, they are famous in the Bible. And very few people talk about Hagar. Lean in, child of God. So God finds her in the wilderness after she's run away, and he says, Hagar. That's expressing value to her. Can I tell you why? He's the first person in Scripture to call her by her name. These other folks have made life decisions for her, and her name is never called. God finds her. Now, that's a shout right there. Y'all, I'm going to take your shout card. She told nobody where she was going. She ghosted the situation. But then the Bible says, but God found her. Oh, y'all don't know when to shout. She was done with it all. She went somewhere to be lost and left alone. She had no hope. She had no direction. She had no friends. She had no resources. And nobody knew where she was, but God found her. And I need about 10 of you all that's been there before. When you had cut the whole world off and it seemed like you were at your wit's end, but is there anybody know God knows how to find you wherever you are? Look at your neighbor and tell him, I know he knows how to find you. Now look at him and tell him, he found me one day in a dark room, in a, in a depressed state, in an angry state. I need about five of you all who are not too tired, not too hurting, not too broken to jump up and say, he found me. He found me. He found me in some mess. I was done. I was through. I felt thrown away. But isn't it good news when nobody else knew how to find me? God found me. And by the way, you can be lost in a room full of people. But isn't it a good news that God knows how to find you? And then when he finds her, he tells her who she is. Let I feel like preaching. Let me tell you who you are. You're Hagar, the slave girl is what you've been called. But let me remind you of who you are right now. I love you so much. For the record, you didn't call me. I came to you. Because some of us have God, yes, this God who will come when you call. 
But I need somebody to tell the truth. He found you sometimes when you didn't even have sense enough to pray. Woo! I know it's COVID, but fist bump somebody and say, God has answered a lot of my prayers. But would you tell somebody, but some of these blessings I have, I didn't even ask for. I, I ain't got the right crowd. Tell your neighbor, some of this stuff I got, I didn't even request. He looked, he saw, and he did something. I wish y'all came to have church this morning. I wish I could take credit that I always know what to pray. I always know what to say. But me with my crazy self don't always know what to pray. I don't always know what to say. But I serve a God that will look, see what I need. And before I ask, he's already done it. Woo! He, he, he answers a need without a request. Then why go back? Here's another one. I'm going to see. I'm, I'm about to take y'all shout card. Don't lose it this time. Here's another. Here's another reason. I didn't do that. Here's another reason. You got to go back. Are you ready? To teach you, you're more than a conqueror. You don't have to run from pressure because you're bigger than pressure. You don't have to run from hardships because you're stronger than hardships. Somebody talk to me. You don't have to run from the storm because you're storm proof. I wish I had some. Do you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego on their way to the fiery furnace? Do you remember the guards that were taking them to throw them in the fiery furnace? Do you remember that King Nebuchadnezzar turned the fire up seven times harder? Preach Alexander. Do you remember what happened when they got to the fire? The guards that threw them in burned up. So for everybody that said he took the heat out of the fire can't be true because if the heat wasn't in the fire, the guards wouldn't have burned up. So what did he do? He didn't take the heat out. He just made me fireproof. And yes, 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 yes. If I was in St. Luke, I'd say yes. They say yes back. Yes. So tell somebody, he didn't take the pain out of my life. He didn't take the storm out of my life. He just made me storm proof. Go back so I can show you you're more than a conqueror. Quit running every time it gets hard. Quit screaming divorce. Quit screaming I quit. Quit resigning from ministry. Quit prematurely aborting the position God has placed you in in an effort to find relief. And then start standing your ground and place this hope in God that he's able to do great things right where I am. Here's another one. Are y'all ready? Why go back? How about this? To teach you the difference between running from something and being released from something. I promise I wish I had my gang here. Uh, sometimes I need to know I have to stay in unfavorable situations until God releases me. We'll jump friendships, relationships. We'll jump church. All we know is it got hard and we ran away. And let me show you, I'm right in the text. God comes up to Hagar and he says, Hagar, where are you coming from? Like he didn't know. 
God, I didn't even tell you where I was, so I know you know where I'm coming from because you came and found me without me asking for you, so you know where I'm coming from. And, and then he says, where are you coming from? Preach, Alexander. Um, uh, and then the other one is, where are you going? He, uh, he asked a twofold question. Uh, preach, come here, come here. But she only had answer for one of them. She says, I'm coming, I'm running away from Sarah, my mistress. But she never answers where she's going. Preach, pastor. Because when you don't respond to pressure right, all you know is what you're running from. You haven't established what you're running to. And so you're being controlled, here it is, by what's behind you. Your whole life is being dictated by what's behind you. And you can't get to God running from what's behind you. And I'm not going to tell you it's bad to run. I'm just trying to tell you, you got to be running to something, not from something. You need to have a vision. You need to have clarity from God. You need to have a word from God because when you're stretched thin, one of the things what, that, that, that Pastor Conway says is there's the slippage of your spiritual practices. You start slipping up on praying and waiting on God. You just start, when it gets too hard, you start coming up with decisions on your own. Preach Alexander. But you got to learn how to stay under pressure and say as rough as it is, I'm not moving till God says move. As hard as it is, I'm not going anywhere till God says go. I've been going to the gym and I've been, I've gone to gym for years now. And you know something, every now and then I'll get a muscle to the jump up and then it goes back down. And I've been going to gym this last time, I've been really calling myself going hard and I talked to a friend of mine that's a trainer and he says, and we were going over what I was doing. I said, but I don't see the results. I'm getting frustrated. I feel like I've plateaued. And he says, what are you doing? So I told him about the workout, how many reps I told him, and how much weight. He says, so when you did that workout, uh, did you do it till you couldn't do it? No, not really. I mean, I did my 10. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't just sitting there just dropping stuff. I was 9 and 10. <laughs> I mean, I served my time. I did my 10. If it was 10 reps, he said, so you need to do one of two things. You need to add weight until it gets to a place where you can fail. If you don't get to a point of failure and weakness, you will never tap into your strength. Y'all not helping me. You know me, being me, I said, come again. He said, if you left from that bench, still able to lift the last one all the way up without assistance, you didn't perform to failure. And if you don't learn how to operate in a spot of weakness and failure, you can never, I'm preaching better than y'all acting, tap into your strength. So what, I said, well, that's kind of dangerous. He says, yes, that's when it becomes important to have a spotter. The job of a spotter is not to help you while you still got strength. The job of a spotter is to only kick in when you can't lift anymore. Come here. One of the worst things a spotter can do is grab the bar too early. 
As a matter of fact, you will irritate somebody if they're on their way up and because they frowned and cried and hollered, you grabbed it. I've seen guys jump off the bench and almost fight. Like, why did you do that? And they said, well, you were crying, you were hollering, but, and I got to, no, I still had some in me. And you don't supposed to grab it until I don't have anything left in me. Lean in, child of God. You've been under the pressure of life, and you've been hollering and screaming, trying to make God grab it, but God is a good spotter. He's looking at you, and you say, oh, and he's saying, you still got something in you. You're screaming. He said, you still got something in you. You're hollering. He said, you still got something in you. I'm not going to grab it. I'll just throw you a word. Greater is he. That's in you. That he is in the world. But you hollering, oh, he said, no, I can do all things. I wish I, but you're still hollering. He said, no, all things work together for the good. Then you're hollering. He said, no, we've been made. Endure for a night. What if God hadn't grabbed it? Because you still got some in you. Look, somebody say, it's still some in you. I know it's hard. I know it's heavy. But if God got you under it, it's because you still got some. That's what he tells. Watch. That's what he tells Hagar. Go back. Because you cannot allow what's behind you to become bigger than what's in front of you. Go back. You need direction. You need to move because of vision, not because of frustration. Then you need to know the, the power of the right response. I'm proud of Hagar. She doesn't complain. She doesn't cry. She doesn't talk back. She gets up. I'm closing. And goes back. She goes back. Watch this now. Hear it. You might not shout on this one, but just nod your head real hard. She goes back without the situation being better. Because some of us would have given him a disclaimer. I'll go back. If you handle Sarah, but I'm not going back under the same circumstances. Oh, I feel somebody. I, <laughs> I'm not staying on that job. I'm not staying in that ministry. I'm not, stay, I'm not dealing with that person in the family. Have you ever taken yourself out of some family groups? <laughs> and when you couldn't get out, you had to put it in the group. Please remove me from this group. I, would, I, I don't care about you being my cousin. Take me <laughs> out of this group. Sometimes you just wash your hands because you're saying, I'm only going to operate in something when it gets better. But what do you do when God is saying for that situation you want to escape? I want you to go back without anything changing in the situation. Well, if nothing changed in the situation, what changed? He says, I've given you a word. I've given you a reminder. And I've given you some promises. So nothing around you has to change. You're going back different because you're going back knowing who you are. You're knowing going back on my word. And you're going back under my promises. Hey, God does not. Listen, Sarah does not have to change. Abram doesn't have to change. If you change, you can change your whole situation. The husband does not have to change. The wife does not have to change. The, the boss doesn't have to change. Listen, if you let God be God, he can work a change and he can do it through you. He says, he says go back. Uh, and here's the thing. This is what he says. Go back. Go back. Listen, this is your last shout card right here. 
I'm going to give you one more chance to know when to shout. If not, I'm snatching your Baptocosta card, and you cannot be Baptocosta ever again. Are you ready? Go back because you're pregnant. Go back because something is in you that's not completely developed yet. Stay under the pressure while I finish developing what I started in youth. Oh, y'all not helping me. Why go back? I'm developing something in you. Watch it now. That you're going to birth destiny. And if you're not careful, you'll miss this part. He gives her the same promise he told Abraham a chapter before. I'm going to make a nation out of you as well. So you don't have to trip over folks giving you a hard time. I'm God enough to bless you just like I bless them. Go back because I'm developing something in you. Go back because I'm developing something in you. And most people shout about, are you ready? Shout about the God who brought them out. Most people shout about what God did when he got him out. But you want to know the folks who got the best shout are the people who are not celebrating what God did after they got out. But the folks with the best praise are those who are praising God with all God did while you were still in. When you let God bless you, Oh, shucks. While you're still in, you'll confuse the enemy because they'll be trying to figure out how you made it here based on what you're going through. But you know what you can tell the enemy? You might as well leave it alone because I can't figure it out either. All I know is while I was trying to figure it out, God already had it worked out. Would you do me a favor, and you can use some sanitizer after I sit down, but would you grab somebody by the hand and tell them, don't ever try to figure out my blessings? Don't ever try to figure out why I'm smiling after all I've been through? Don't ever try to figure out why I got what I got, why I am where I am, why I know what I know? Grab them by the hand and say, if you try to figure out these blessings, you're going to be up all night long. Because when I look back over my life, I can't figure it out either. All I know is he made a way out of no way. He's been so good. He got said, since you named me, let me name you the God who sees Elroy. And whenever God's been good to you, you ought to put a name on it. Beyonce said, you ought to put a ring on it. But Alexander said, if the Lord has been good to you, you ought to put a name on it. Somebody call him Jehovah Jireh. Somebody call him Jehovah Nisi. Somebody call him Jehovah Rapha. Somebody call him Jehovah Shalom. But my grandmama didn't know all those names. She called him a bridge over troubled water, a rock in a weary land, a shelter in the top. If the Lord has been good
good to you put a name on it and I got something else whatever you're going through it has a name look at your neighbor my last time and say neighbor whatever you're dealing with it has a name but don't worry about it because God gave him a name that's above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee must bow every when you don't know what to say when you don't know what to pray when you don't know what to do just call his name and can I call him like I'm a country Baptist preacher his name is Jesus his name is Jesus Jesus his name is Jesus his name is Jesus Father, right now, we worship you. We praise you. God, we ask you right now from what we've learned today to help, help us calm down our run reflex. God, help us to just sit and rest and sometimes go back so that we can get stronger, so that we can endure, so that we can grow patience, so that we can have more spiritual strength in our life. God, we've seen you do too much to stop right now. So God, have your way in our lives. Do whatever you need to do to work on us and in us, God. We give you permission to do it. God, sometimes we're stretched thin, but we know there's a purpose. We're comforted that there's a reason. So God, would you give us hope to keep pressing on today? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>